Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Bass Plates and Protein Shakes. Obviously, back at you now with uh, another installment of The Winner's Mindset. Uh, thank you, first of all. First of all, thank you to everybody who's been subscribing. Uh, I've been noticing that the, the mailing list has been growing every single week, and it's been really amazing to see. Uh, the first time I put word out, about 10 or 15 people signed up. Now it's, it's growing. It's, it's over 100 now. And it's going to continue to grow, and and I hope it's going to continue to grow. But what's been really amazing for me is not so much in a, of the growth itself, but that people are actually getting something out of this, and I and I'm, it's going somewhere, it's doing something, it's making a change for for some people, and that's exactly what I like to see. You know, I'll give you an example. I got a. I actually got a message from uh, from somebody who's who subscribed and who's been listening, and uh, I'll read it out. I'll read it out for you guys so you can you can uh, listen to it as well, and maybe you can uh, re- maybe it can resonate with you. Hey Amir, just listen to your podcast, Winner's Mindset, Your Purpose in Life. That was the very first episode that I did. It was the very f- it was off the back of the very first um, series, like the very first of the series of newsletters. This one hit hard, especially considering my ongoing depression and how I feel the need to constantly better myself, even though I'm a lot of the times not doing something actively to be better. I was wondering if you could please keep posting stuff like this and in your newsletter as well. I'm subscribing to it for sure. Since I was subscribing late, I was wondering if I could please get the last two newsletter entries because he came in on, on the third installment, which, which went out last Thursday. Just listen to the second podcast about the opposite of fear being aggressive action. Think one thing I did the past two weeks is committing to salsa classes and practicing with randoms after. The fear of the fear being that I would get laughed at or that is embarrassed myself. Turns out it was totally unjustified and I'm loving it. That's exactly the type of thing I'm talking about. Anything that you do to improve yourself, it may seem to you like it's going to be insignificant to somebody else hearing it, it doesn't matter. Whatever is significant to you is significant to you because whatever is important to you is all that matters at the end of the day anyway. So there's no need to try and justify things or try and do things that are going to impress somebody else. Um, Whether somebody is impressed or not, it doesn't matter. Share your story. I want to hear about it. I want to hear what it is that you're overcoming this on the surface level for this person is salsa. Now, somebody may think of it, somebody who is not, somebody who doesn't get it will think, oh, big deal, salsa. I mean, you know, it's just dancing. But it's not that. It's about the the position that puts you in and that you have to overcome. It's the fact that he's going out of his way, no, doing something he knows he's not particularly comfortable with, but he's got the balls to put himself out there and put himself in an uncomfortable situation and face it and learn something from it. And from that, he can put himself in another uncomfortable situation that's not salsa, that's something else. And he can go from there. And that's very important. So big ups to this guy, you know, big pat on the back to this guy because he's actually doing something. He's taking action. And that's exactly what I was talking about in the second, uh, in the second episode of or the second installment of the newsletter, which was the second episode on the podcast, which is, you know, the opposite of fear is is not courage, it's action. And that's exactly what he's doing. 
He's putting that to actual real life use. And this is what we want. Don't just listen to things and then feel, you know, motivated. Motivation is fickle. Motivation is dumb. It's about doing what you know you should be doing. What is going to get you there? It's about committing to something. And speaking of commitment, that's what we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to go through, as I do, reading through uh, the previous newsletter that, that was released, which was last Thursday. And I'm going to break it down. I'm going to break it down for everybody so that you can understand what the message of the newsletter is. Let's get straight into it. Everything you want is on the other side of commitment. I always believe if you want to learn how the mind of a successful person works, then just watch and listen to successful people who repeatedly, who are repeatedly getting after it. Make things happen and come back from setbacks. I don't know if you follow MMA or not, and if you do, you obviously turned in on uh, turned in or at least looked up the result to the McGregor Cowboy fight on the weekend, which was the previous weekend. To give a bit of a backdrop for those who aren't too much into it, Conor McGregor rose fast and made something very big of himself in a very, very short time. Whether you like him or not, it's irrelevant. If you deny the impact he had and the blistering speed with which he rose up, you're just a plain hater. But as his meteoric rise brought about fame and fortune, it started to distract him and started to take away from his focus. So, you know... Even if you don't follow MMA, if you just even loosely follow sport, no doubt you would have come across the the character that is Conor McGregor. Uh, obviously, he was a he was somebody who was he came into the MMA scene. He was a plumber, essentially broke. He was uh, on on the on the UK's version of of welfare, and. Um, he had nothing. He was a, a relative nobody, but he had fire in his eyes. He had a drive. He had a purpose. He had a goal. And as soon as he got into the UFC, he rose and he rose really fast. He was going through everybody and he became a, a worldwide sensation. He went on to become uh, a champion in, in two different weight classes uh, and he went on to defeat the best there was in, in the UFC. Made a really big name for himself. He went on from that to to fight Floyd Mayweather, which was uh, one of the biggest fights of definitely the year and, and, and um, even, even the decade. But uh, all of that came crashing down. So let's, let's go through that. And not a moment too soon, he came across a very determined and very talented fighter in the form of Khabib Nurmagomedov, who dismantled him in a fashion no one had ever managed to do. I mean, Conor was un, untouchable, right? He would, he would go in against people who were legends, Hall of Famers, um, people who were just absolute monsters. And he would make them look like absolute amateurs. He would make them look like they just got into the game. He would take them out almost as if it was rehearsed to be done that way. Almost as if he would predict that it would finish the way he finished them in the round 
he would finish them the way even that he would finish them. And so he became this even you know, mystical figure that everybody thought he is the next thing. You know, he's, I mean, it was undeniable, really his talent, and he still is undeniable. So what I want to get to is the, the heights that he got to and the dismantling that he faced and why he faced it, what happened. So he came along and he faced uh, eventually a guy who was and still is undefeated in the UFC. A Dagestani fighter by the name of uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Really good at wrestling, excellent wrestler, excellent grappler, and relatively quieter, much, much quieter as a person, as a fighter. Not so outspoken like Conor is. Not, so, uh, not such a showman like Conor is. Just go in, goes in, does the job, gets out sort of thing. But he was also in parallel working with his own career and just going through people, one after the other. But he was just doing it much more quietly. And eventually they, they met. And it was time for them to fight. And in the lead up to the fight, Connor got very cocky, very outspoken. And um, talked a lot of shit, basically. And uh, in... In the octagon where it counted, he got he got schooled. He got schooled pretty pretty good, and he got dismantled. Back to it. This dismantling sent him tumbling from the dizzying heights he had reached, and it would have been a long climb back to the top. But he started the climb, and last weekend, after a long road back, he stepped back into the octagon to face Donald Cerrone. You may know there are two types of sports I love to follow and coach athletes in, strength sports and combat sports. So you can bet I was following the interviews of both fighters in the lead up to the fight. So what I mean by that is I don't just sit there and just wait for the fight to come and just watch the fight. I like to follow all the background stuff as well. I want to know each fighter's uh, training camp, how that's going. I want to see their interviews because I want to see how they're talking, what their body language is like, what the voice tonality is like in the lead up to a fight. Because talk is cheap, but you can see when you look at somebody within an interview, what their body language is like, how confident they really are. And uh, that, that can go a, a long way in being able to determine who's really there and, and who's not mentally. So as I was watching all of this, I was seeing something. Connor was back. That look in his eyes, it wasn't there for a while. The body language, the eye contact, the words, it wasn't fake. He was back and I could see he was focused once again. He went out and dismantled Cowboy, an accomplished veteran of the sport with pretty much all types of records you can imagine, including the most head kick knockouts in the UFC and about double the number of career fights as Connor. And he did it in 40 seconds. I wasn't surprised that he won. I've worked with athletes long enough to see it in their eyes when they are serious about getting something and when they mean what they say. You know that eye of the tiger, that tunnel vision. So I was watching uh, both fighters do extended interviews in the lead up to the fight. And, you know, the, the interviewer would, would ask a whole series of questions, a whole bunch of questions in the lead up to the fight. And 
I mean, both guys are no, not, not new to the sport and not new to fighting. So they know it's not like it's their first rodeo, right? But you could see a difference. Uh, Donald Cerrone, he was confident as as a fighter of his caliber and his experience level would be and should be. But there was something different, something a little bit more with Connor in his interviews. The conviction in his voice, the focus in his voice, in his answers, the 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 amount of sureness in himself. Whereas Cowboy was like, uh, when you when you listen to his interviews, it's kind of like just having fun, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm cool. Like he's cool with it. He's fun with it. You know. He's relaxed with it as he would be and as he should be, but not focused with it. He was kind of there to to do the job. He's happy to do the job. He's not running away from it or anything like that, but there was something more with Connor. And w- when a good athlete is on, when a good athlete is, is in his zone, he finds his element once again, you see that, you see that dangerous energy see that dangerous energy in them where you know that nothing's getting in front of this guy or this girl they're back they're coming for it it's a tunnel vision so the fight happened connor took him out in 40 seconds you know you're talking about a guy who's had double the number of fights as you have he's had you know i think it's uh, about 50 fights give or take donald soroni has that's a lot of fights He's got basically all the types of records you can imagine uh, within the UFC. He's got like the most head kick knockouts. He's got like, I think, the most number of wins or something like that. He's got, he's got so many accolades. He is not a slouch. He is the real deal. And Connor took him out in 40 seconds. He took him out in 40 seconds after having about a year and a half outside of the octagon, not having fought. That's a long time. Whereas Donald was constantly fighting. Yes, he was coming off uh, the back of two losses, but he's constantly fighting. His, his hands are constantly dirty in, in doing the work. That's a big difference. A, there should be a big advantage to somebody like that. That type of a person should be essentially uh, a favorite, basically, in anything, but let alone fighting. You, you got somebody who's been a year and a half off especially off the back of a lot of allegations and, and, and scandal and stuff like that. And he got another guy who's had no time off. He's been super active and he's, he's in it. He's completely in it. He's completely immersed in it. Not only did he lose, he lost in 40 seconds. And there's full credit to Cowboy. He's like, he's the beast. He's, he's, he's like a total beast, total beast. He's the man. But goes to show how focused and how on Connor was to be able to do that. How much he changed things around for himself. And now we're going to get into the sort of the mentality and what basically happened that made him do that. And a lot of this stuff applies to us, to anything else that we do in life. Because mindset is mindset. It just so happens that in this case... Two people are applying it to the sport of fighting. 
You could apply it to your career. You could apply it to another sport. You could apply it to your studies. Whatever it is, whatever goal you have. In the post, but so back to it. In the post-fight press conference, press conference, Connor was talking about how he thought that the fact that he had achieved everything prior to this fight was the start and cause of his distraction and spiraling out of control. In the follow-up to his comment, one of the reporters asked Connor, did you ever have a point after the Khabib fight when you were sitting there and thinking, I made a mistake here and I made a mistake here? Because in the lead-up to this fight, you still have achieved everything just the same, but you went into this fight and performed. So obviously something changed from your preparation from the Khabib fight to this one. So what, what that means is what he was saying, what Connor was saying was he thinks that for the, for the Khabib fight, the reason why he lost was because at, by that point, he had achieved everything a fighter is supposed to achieve. He went from being a broke, essentially plumber to becoming a multi, multi, multi-millionaire uh, and, and not only rich, like not only fortune, but uh, but also, he went on to become one of the greatest icons, uh, one of the greatest celebrities in the world. You know, especially as as a as an MMA fighter. You know, uh, not so long ago, MMA was a fringe sport almost. It wasn't that well known. It wasn't that well followed. It was it was a just a, a particular type of group w- were following MMA. You know, it's just, it's very important. I mean, even to this day, the amount of pay that MMA fighters get is nowhere near the same as boxing. It's still not, it still doesn't have the same greatness in terms of, you know, wealth and, and, and money and everything, sponsorships and everything like that. That's not the same as boxing. But for, and that's what makes it more impressive because for somebody like that to be able to go from zero to the pinnacle, the best, the highest, being you know recognized everywhere around the world, having uh, amassed such a fortune, it's really really impressive. If you look at the guy's life and what he did in in the length of time that he did it in, he didn't do this over decades. He did it in like under ten years. He did it over, I think, even under five years. He did it because he just worked his ass off, and he was also very smart in the way he did it. So that's basically what he was saying. He was saying, I think the reason why I spiraled was because of the distractions that happened um, after, because I had achieved everything in the lead up to the Khabib fight. And the reporter was saying, but when you were going into this fight, you were just the same. You were still the same person who had achieved everything. But you performed in this one, but you failed at the Khabib fight. You fell short on that one. So something else has changed. That's the reason why you have achieved everything is not really the determining factor here. Something else is going on. What is that thing? And his reply was, just my commitment. I wasn't committed. It was a disrespect to everyone who believed in me. I've got a team of people who are taking time away from their family and I'm not committed. I just felt like I disrespected my family and the people who believed in me and I needed to recenter. Commitment is where it's at. But just understand this, like the word is easy to say, it's just a word, but I'm talking about the actual true meaning of the word. True commitment in every sense of the word. When you are committed, you don't budge from what you want. 
When you're committed, you don't care if you're tired. When you are committed, you don't care if you have to wake up an hour earlier. When you're committed, you repeat to yourself daily what you are here to do, what your goals are, what you want to get, what you want to get done. When you're committed, you don't care what people think. When you're committed, you don't go to the beach when it's nice weather before finishing off the work you know you should be doing. When you're committed, you don't skip that training session because you feel a little sore, a little tired. Commitment, not just a word to make up a sentence, the actual literal meaning and real life application of what that word means. That's really what it's about. And that's, that's what he was referring to, his reply, just my commitment. And he made it very simple. And he went on in that, uh, as part of that re- reply, in that interview, he said, you know, it all comes down to commitment. Just keep it simple. You know, I'm just going to keep it real with you. I'm going to keep it simple with you. It's just commitment. That's, these are his words. It's just, it's, just, it's just commitment. I just wasn't committed. You know what you're supposed to do? This is what he was saying. You know what you're supposed to do? This was in the uh, post-fight press conference, by the way, if anybody wants to look it up. Because you know what you're supposed to do? It's just about commitment. Just going and doing it. Just staying committed to what you're supposed to do. And it is that simple. The thing is, it is that simple, but it's hard to do. It's hard when you're tired because that fucks with your head. When you're tired, you want to relax a little bit. When you're tired, you want to you pick the path of least resistance. Oh, I'm just a bit tired. I just sleep for another 30 minutes. You know, when, when the weather's nice, you want the path of least resistance. I'll just go to the beach now. And I'll do this later tonight, but it doesn't happen later tonight. It's about the commitment. When a pit bull bites you, it's committed. It's not letting go. No matter what, it's not letting go. When soldiers are faced with the choice of certain death or to fight back, they are committed. They fight because they aren't willing to lay down and die without a fight. They want to see their families again. They are committed to win. And many battles in history have been won by the generals burning their ships upon arrival on enemy territory to give the soldiers no thought of retreat. They must either fight and survive or die. How's that for commitment? And that's a true story, by the way. Uh, there were many, uh, many stories, especially ones that out in, in my mind, uh, of the Persian military. When they would, when they would arrive somewhere, they would burn all their ships and the commander, the general would say, we're here now. There's no way out. You got to win so that we can take this land and we can inhabit it. We can stay here. So we can, we've got to take over. So get ready because there's no way out. We, we, there is, we have no way of retreat. We're isolated from home. We either die here or we survive. We take over, we win and we find our way back home eventually. The end results which the commitment will bring is so significant in feeling, in drive, in meaning. It is so fresh and vivid in the front of your mind on a constant basis that all other pain shrinks to insignificance in comparison. It becomes a joke. It's not even a factor anymore. So what I mean by that is when you are really truly committed, when I was saying before, not just a word that you use to to complete a sentence, but in every sense of the word, what it means to actually be committed when you're really driven by that end result and you f- you see in your mind's eye 
what that end result will feel like, the drive that it brings you, the meaning that it brings you, when you make it so fresh and vivid in your mind all the time, that commitment to a particular success or a particular outcome, a particular goal, that everything else becomes a joke. You want to go? You guys want to go to the beach? I don't care about missing missing on that because I've got other things to focus on. You guys want to get distracted by this or that? I don't care about that because once I finish what I'm committed on, I'll be able to do that and more. The feeling that that's going to bring me is going to be so many times more powerful than this little thing here that's trying to cause a distraction or this path of least resistance or this extra half an hour in bed. Those don't even become a factor anymore. And sometimes we have to hit rock bottom to find that commitment again. Sometimes we have to lose it all. Sometimes we have to look back and see that we haven't come that far before a big fire is lit under our lazy asses. Sometimes we've got to look back and see, well, what do I have to show for myself in the last year of doing whatever that I've been trying to work on? And you realize, oh, crap, I haven't really done much in a whole year, in five years, in 10 years. And that's what sometimes gets us to commit because that pain, that embarrassment even, if you want to go with that word, is, is sometimes needed to get us to really switch on in that regards. So commit. Figure out what you want, why you want it, and commit. Erase all distractions by reminding yourself of your why daily. Then get after it until you have it in your hands. Winners commit. What do you want to get but aren't committing to right now? What I want you to do is for the next seven days, absolutely commit to doing something every single day towards getting it. Find out what it is that you want and commit for seven days. Every day do something, anything to get towards that thing that you want. I don't care how big or small it is. And you don't need to report back to me. If you do, fantastic. I want to hear about it and I will talk about it on the podcast. But you don't have to. This is really just for yourself. And it goes back to the first episode that we did about auditing yourself daily. Really, it's about yourself. It's about you trying to get better. I'm just trying to put out there how I know how I did it. How people around me who are doing it are doing it. That's all. So with that, I want to leave it there. That's all I have for today. I want to say once again, thank you to everybody who's been listening. Thank you to everybody who's been giving feedback. Thank you to everybody who's been subscribing every single week. Keep doing what you're doing and keep building the winner's mindset. This is Amir Fezeli. Until next week's episode.